Hello, welcome back to another episode of Vulnerable Voices. We want to thank you for listening to our final episode entitled Hustle and Flow. Remember, Vulnerable Voices is a weekly podcast hosted by EJA from Dallas, Texas and Doc Miller from Albany, New York. Two leaders in education coming together every Wednesday for a very entertaining podcast. This is our last and final episode um, for season one, The Leadership Journey. We have had an awesome time and we look forward to having more conversations um, coming up very soon in season two. Today's episode, Hustle and Flow, we're going to be discussing leading while black. We're going to talk about the challenges black leaders face from both the male and the female perspective. Um, and so let's go ahead and jump right on in, Dr. Miller. If you don't mind, let's start with um, a quote. You know, I love the quotes. Okay. So um, I was reading... Fortune magazine came across an exceptional article about beating the odds. It was the perspective um, of black women in major leadership positions. And um, one senior executive of um, a financial firm, she says, I think the experience of being black in America creates resilience. A steady steadiness. I'm going to read that again. I love that part. A steady steadiness. And it creates courage and pride. Not pride in a boastful way, but being proud. As you need to be in moments when you feel completely rejected, completely ignored, overlooked, and sidelined. And I just thought that was powerful because that just truly encompasses the black leadership journey. Um, what are your thoughts about that, Paul? Well, I definitely think uh, with leadership and being a black male in leadership is, is, can be very difficult. Very challenging. Um, and, you know, I'm going to argue this and you're not going to like it, but I think it's easier to, I believe at this point in time, this day, today, it's easier to get selected as a leader, as a black do female you? than Why it is a black man. And I'm wait. I, 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 I do. I think when you look at a lot of superintendents around the country who are being selected, there's, uh, especially in the South, there's a lot of black females who are being se selected. Now, I would say, yeah, if I had to put an order to it, you know, I'd say first white males uh, usually are, are the easiest, and then it would be a, a a white female after that, and then a black female, and then a black male. And I just think women are winning right now, and I think um, with gender equality, I also think that uh, with everything that's going on, I think a lot of times. Um, Organizations are looking for that female perspective, and I'm talking about more schools right now, mm -hmm. not necessarily corporate America, mm -hmm. but uh, but uh, educational America. 
Um, so they're looking for that female perspective. They're looking for that black female perspective. And I think the males were still, um, I still want to say that we're an endangered species and that people fear a strong black male. I have had uh, white staff that I have heard that they have quoted, quoted saying that if uh, he was a, a white male, I would listen mm. to him. Um, so, so, and, and these are people that work for you? It is what it is. But yes. Either they have or they, they <laughs> did work for me or, or they, they are, there, there might even be a few who still currently around. Um, and you know, I can't, you can't always pinpoint exactly who said it, even though, you know, the rumor right, mills. Right, right. So you don't, you don't Absolutely. remove people for rumors, but you know how, you know how people feel in their heart, and all you do is just keep that's moving them wrong. That's what you do. That's what you do. Um, yeah. So taking your point, you know, I, I'm I'm always going back to the facts and the data. Let me see the numbers, mm-hmm. and just thinking, I'm thinking of a visual representation. Um, as you know, we both we travel all throughout the school year. We go to the different mm-hmm. um, conferences, conventions, etc., what have you. Oftentimes, I'm at these major events with leaders in education, and I intentionally take a step back and scope the room. Mm-hmm. And you don't see very many black females in those crowds. Now what you will see, like you said earlier, lots of white males and then secondly I would say relatively equal would be the number of black males and the number of white females. But the black female in a major position in education, um, it's not where it needs to be. Is it getting better? I think it is with, you know, all these things that are going on, um, black women in power, you, you see more of our faces. But I don't know, Paul, it's tough being a black woman leading the way because oftentimes you're accused of being too strong, domineering, controlling, uh, the angry black woman. And unfortunately, you know, that that's a label that we have. And so we have to learn how to be visible, but invisible at the same time. And I, I don't know, and I wanted to ask you that, is that a narrative that black male leaders face? Uh, we can't be too loud at times, but then there are times where we are expected to be the voice in the room. Do you see the same thing? Do you feel you have to be invisible at times? I think there's uh, similarities, but I, I wouldn't say it's exactly the same. I think we, I think the, the the items that you need to be careful about may be a little bit differently. So I can't be too aggressive, right? Or I can't be, I might not be able to be too loud, or I can't be too forward. I have to be, I have to take a, I can't necessarily say exactly what's on my mind because it may be perceived as, 
you know, he's reverting back to his uh, his earlier days in life, um, or this is not uh, this is not the hood, uh, you know. And I and I've heard things like that as well. And so, you know, as you go through, I believe you learn and you grow. But I think the challenges there's similarities, but I think they may be a little bit different because I think the perceptions are different. Um, and I think that uh, what I found is that uh, white women's tears <laughs> rule everything. <laughs> so the, the, the tears of white women, whether it's in leadership or in um, as in faculty and staff, uh, man, don't let a white woman cry because good Lord, she start crying and everybody want to know what's wrong and how can we change it and how can we fix it? And she might not even be right, but people start hopping off. And uh, so... And don't be the person that they think that you made her cry. Mm. And not not that you made her cry, that you actually did something to her, but for whatever reason, the situation or the scenario hurt her feelings. Because the minute uh, they feel that way, now you have a whole new uh, problem on your hands. Now you have, a, you have an uprising. You have people who are convening uh, against you because you don't, made, you don't make the white woman cry. Wow. And so... White women tears are very powerful, um, and so it's yeah. I just think the experience as a it's a little bit different, but I'm sure there's some similarities. Mm-hmm. Agree, basically, because I have no idea how it feels to be a black man in leadership, right? Um, but right. that that's definitely something that we have to deal with is just being right. invisible at times. Right. You don't, unless there's something you want to tell me. <laughs> no, sir. I, ha- I have no clue. I cannot help you there. Stand, stand up. I, stand I up. can't help you. If you don't know, <laughs> there's no question. Uh, not, okay. Yes. Uh, so so I, I know as we were um, discussing that, I think some of it is talking about also is the the resilience of it all because I, I think we have to hustle harder and flow better to be able to uh, to be able to achieve success and to get to a high level within so it's like you have to outwork people and you have to outsmart people and you have to be that much better I remember times where um, going through and I remember where I was uh, selected for Again, I was selected for jobs. I think there was there was a time there was about 300 candidates for a job, and I've made it to the top five. I believe they interviewed the top five people. I remember getting a call from the school-based planning team, and the school-based planning team they weren't supposed to call me, but they said, you know, after the interview, you were amazing. I, I want you. We want you. You're going. You're our guy. You're our next principal. Uh, can't wait for you to start. And then two days later. I found out that the current superintendent at the time put a white lady in the job. Mm. And so what was interesting uh, about that is I had to navigate and figure out why. And so what did I do? What was wrong? And it wasn't anything to do with me. I found out that it was another white lady who was my supervisor at the time was uh, was saying or doing things that weren't so favorable um, that to kind of keep me stuck in the position that I was at. And um, I had to figure that out and I had to digest that and I had to handle that. And I had to still work with that person and work with that person uh, because I couldn't just walk away from having an income for my family. Um, so how do I deal with that and continue to be successful? 
and that was a difficult situation. Have you had any challenging situations where you were uh, on your way, where you've had to hustle harder and flow better, and still it didn't work out the way you wanted it to? Well, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, the hustle and flow piece is just part of our culture. I think that we've been trained at an early age that you have to go above and beyond because you are a person of color. Um, what works for your white counterpart will not work for you. You must strive to be excellent, right? In everything you do. So um, absolutely, you know, Working, I, I know currently I can go to a location <clears throat> um, and other people with on my same level in an organization come in at a certain time, leave by five. Well, it's not that I can't leave by five, but I know that it's better for me to stay late and go above and beyond, get a couple steps ahead, because that's what will be recognized. Me just doing my regular job is not often recognized, even though my white counterparts maybe get recognized recognition, um, higher pay, higher position just for doing their job. But that gratitude is not given to me unless I'm going above and beyond. And so I know that we've talked about this on a previous podcast. There is a sense of urgency in our culture, especially for those of us who are striving to be great. Um, it's natural for us to want to present ourselves in a way that's going to be accepted by white society and then work harder than our neighbor because we know that's the only way that we're going to get some appreciation and hopefully get a promotion or a raise. Yeah, I, I understand. I get it. I mean, there was times where I, I think I was looked at as the, the dumb jock or the dumb athlete and just because I was a, I was a physical education teacher oh you don't know instruction and you don't know this so I had to work even harder to learn it so I had work improved that I understood it that I understood instruction backwards and forwards to kind of get rid of that stigmatism I also had you know again and not that I'm picking on white women because don't pick on white um, women. what I've did my experiences where I've had white w women no what I'm telling you that I've had white women directly tell me that uh, basically that I wasn't smart enough, that I wasn't going to be able to get my doctorate. Why are you doing that? And that, um, you know, and, and put me in positions to almost set up to fail. So for me, there was motivation in that. And so the motivation came instead of me being angry or wanting to uh, say something hurtful or disrespectful for them. My motivation became internal where there's you're not going to your words are not going to stop me. I'm going to show you and then I'm going to reach heights that would be insurmountable to where you're at. And I'm going to show you that I can do this and then some up and beyond. And so that was motivation to feel every time I didn't want to finish that dissertation or every time I didn't want to do this that was or your that, motivation. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I, 
that was my motivation. You know, I looked it square in the face and I did what I had to do. And, you know, that's my encouragement for, for people who are, are out there who are looking for leadership roles. And even though, yes, we might have to hustle harder and flow better, we have to, um, we got to make sure that we are in it to win it. We got to make sure that we do those things um, to get where you need to go to the top. Like, don't be complacent. I think complacency is the root of all evil. And so as a minority, like, and I'm thinking about this and, and I'll throw this out there um, because there's a big thing about wanting um, like black teachers teaching black kids meaning that like do you when you're looking for teachers you want teachers that look like your kids and making those connections but i would argue that if you get a bad black teacher a bad black teacher is worse than a bad white teacher for our black kids and because you are destroying <laughs> you're destroying their view of who they think that you are and that's that complacency set and what, what do you think about that how do you feel i mean about that? i think um your your teaching population should reflect your student population. I believe in that 100%. But I also do believe that um, just because you're black does it mean that's going to make you a great teacher for black children, right? So that goes back to the conversation we had in another episode, the difference in the leadership style, because you do have teachers of color that treat children of color in a terrible way. And those teachers need to go, period. Black, white does not matter. And I think we have a responsibility to help our children understand that this is the society that they are going to face, but give them the skills to be able to handle the challenges that they're up against. I mean, it's not fair for them if we're not setting them up for success and letting them know that this is how it is and this is what you're going to face. But you too can get through this. You too can get over this, but you can't be complacent like you were saying. There, There's a mess. Um and that, that brings me to the code switch situation. We have to teach children what it is to 